Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine and good. dandy. All right. I wished I could do more to have the guns cease firing. Yeah. Such a, such a waste of time and energy and life. But then again, who, what kind of a dream is that? You uh. know, why, why, do, why, why do I dream on and you <laughs> work at it constantly when we know what history has shown and we know what, uh, what's made, what makes up mankind? And it's, there's a lot of antagonism out there. But uh, I still think silence is the worst thing that we can do. Joining in and becoming, you know, very, very violent participant in this is the worst thing to do. Uh, silence uh, doesn't solve a whole lot. Uh, so what we have is just dealing with the principles of things and trying to change people's minds because there have been periods of times in history where there has been more peace than war. But I would say, um, although this 21st century, we have not had w World War uh, one and two type of killing, uh, we still have uh, something that might even be bigger. I've always argued that the threats, uh, in, in spite of the fact that the economy isn't the worst we've ever seen, uh, the killing uh, hasn't been the worst we've ever seen, uh, uh, but we also know the potential. And I think what we've been doing is citing the potential dangers of this escalation and more knowledge about uh, what kind of weaponry there is, which is more than ever before in the history of mankind. Yes, they thought, I've always been impressed with the number of people that were in, in, involved in battles, even in, in, the, in the Old Testament, thousands and thousands involved in, in those times. But now, uh, and, and a lot of casualties, I'm sure, but at this time, we've had a token of what can happen with a nuclear weapon, and that is, uh, uh, rightfully one of the b biggest concerns so I know it mystifies you and me too is why do they keep marching toward war yeah. when the danger is lurking out there and we're going to talk a, a little bit about that on why uh, our efforts don't seem to be marching toward peace and uh, yet we brag about it and half for years that we're a country of peace and and they use the word democracy uh, incorrectly uh, matter of fact for them it's correct all they have to do is is control the majority opinion of people to go along with their mischief. But uh, they, they insist that our policy is peace and, and freedom uh, and constitutional law, uh, which they come up short. And we'd like to make a suggestion constantly, as we have, uh, of uh, what you can do and, and ch change our pattern. I believe it's possible, or I would say, Let's go someplace else, <laughs> but I don't want to go to the moon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not very hospitable. Yeah. But a anyway, uh, there's an announcement today, more, more mischief. Uh, you, you know, I, I think it's been recorded by even Democrats that the current president and vice president have made up a team that might be considered one of the poorest team we've ever had. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if that's true, I guess, according to your own opinion. But you know it's bad when some of the Democrats seem to be, uh, uh, you know, hiding. I don't think there's going to be many people thinking they're going to change everything in Congress and Washington by citing the fact that what we need is more help for Biden and, and, and Harris. We need more people. We need to, you know, keep the momentum going. We've had the House and the Senate and the presidency, more momentum. 
uh, there's a different attitude out there than that, and hopefully it's a positive attitude because they have figured out a little bit more about COVID and uh, less about foreign policy. You know, the po foreign policy seems to tap into this issue of patriotism, and uh, you can't you can't even question it without uh, uh, being accused of all sorts of things. But anyway, there's a plan. Biden Harris trip to Kiev. I wonder if they'll really go. I wonder if they'll cause any good to come of it. But I see absolutely no purpose in that. And uh, is he going to have in, uh, teleprompters, interpreters? Will he ever have a conversation with anybody? I'm talking about the president. And, uh, and the Democrats up front, they, they know sometimes behind the scenes and sometimes out in the open. They're concerned about it, our president, and rightfully so, because, you know, the danger uh, that, that lurks uh, ahead if uh, there isn't some type of containment on the, on the use of these massive weaponries that can, uh, you, you know, wipe out a many, many thousands of people, even uh, even uh, comparing it to World War II where uh, the episodes killed millions, we still face some serious problems. So uh, my first opinion is it can only do more harm by them going over there and pretending they could be negotiators. It feels a bit like Groundhog Day because every day we wake up and it's the same increase in escalation on the U.S. part. Uh, and it's a continuing theme in Washington. They're pushing us toward war with Russia. Uh, you know, I have the feeling like we felt when we knew the Iraq war was inevitable, but this is that on steroids. Uh, and I ask, where is the anti-war movement? Well, they've all been, uh, they've all been clubbed in the knees. Uh, of course, all the left and most of the progressives because they've been trained to hate Russia and they believe that somehow opposing this massive, you know, humanity ending war is somehow being in, in, in cahoots with Putin. Uh, it is very disturbing. The latest in this escalation, there's a couple that we're going to bring up today, and we can put up that first clip. The latest in this escalation, and this is from the Libertarian Institute, uh, quoting from an article that came out in Politico, the White House is discussing sending a senior official to Kiev, potentially President Joe Biden or Vice President Kamala Harris could make the trip. Uh, you know, Biden uh, today, his new, the new polls came out, shock poll it's on the top of Drudge. 33% approval, one of the lowest ever, his lowest ever. So the idea of sending him over there kind of reminds me of the old, the late representative John Schmitz when Nixon went to China. I don't care if he goes to China, I just care if he comes back. <laughs> so I'm yeah. sure a lot of Americans feel that way. But, but kidding aside, <clears throat> you know, we had Boris Johnson go there. Uh, we had the uh, uh, prime minister of Austria go there. <clears throat> uh, uh, well, he went to, he went to, sorry, to Russia. We had uh, Johnson recently in Kiev. So it's, it's obviously the U.S. wants to keep up with that. The problem with this, and I'll, I'll lay it out, is the, um, is, and, and, and Libertarian Institute points this out, well, the president or the vice president or even a senior official like Austin uh, or Blinken, they're not going to travel to Kiev without a serious, serious military uh, com uh, contingent <laughs> going with them, right? So you hear, and the other thing from the Politico article uh, said that there will be no announcement in advance, okay? So put those things on the plate. Big military contingent, you know, the president always travels with tons of this stuff. Big military, U.S. military contingent goes into Kiev. They don't announce it beforehand, so nobody knows, supposedly. And you mix that together with yesterday's announcement uh, from Moscow that if the cross-border 
attacks from Ukraine into Moscow continue, then Moscow, Moscow is going to consider taking out major command and control uh, centers, including in Kiev. So you mix that together, and there were two more attacks cross-border today. You mix that together, and that is a recipe for an absolute nightmare scenario where the president is stepping into an area with the U.S. military where there may well be an attack by Moscow. It almost seems like they're begging for this to happen, whoever is really planning things in D.C., and I think this is one of the most frightening things that I've seen in a while. You know what I read about this, uh, this consideration, there's some officials considering who should be next to go. And I was wondering, who, who are these people who are doing this consideration? Who's in charge of this? Yeah. It, it isn't Biden waking up. He said, you know, I guess, I guess I ought to go to Kiev. That looks like a good thing to do politically. <laughs> you, you don't hear anything. Somebody is. So there's uh, always people behind the scenes that are really in charge. But I think we've heard less of that with this administration than uh, most other information. People knew who the key players were, whether it was the Secretary of Defense. We have all those positions filled, but uh, they're not really revealing exactly what's happening. But uh, they, they, they think, I think it's a part of a, a, a deep state that is uh, still vague and nobody knows what's going on, but somebody is pulling the strings. But people going over there, as has been mentioned, other foreign leaders have gone over there and other uh, Americans have gone over. Even our Secretary of Treasury, she's going over. Mm. Not, maybe not going over there, but she, she puts her two cents worth in too. And, but, we, but if we're working in our direction, that would be encouraging people to go less. What, yeah. what, what, what benefit is it to go over there and pick sides yeah. and, 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 and threaten? That's what our officials do because even if we don't hear about it behind the scenes is, you guys better not do this. You know what we can do? We can put sanctions on you. Yeah. You won't like that, which means that the sanctions end up guess what? On the American people. They hurt the American people more than anybody else. Costs a lot of money. Then, then they say, well, why is there so much inflation? Oh, well, they've spent a couple dollars over there, and, and uh, they, they just totally forgot about the first uh, 20 years of what we've been doing in this century, and uh, it's unprecedented in, any, in, in real value. I know the nominal numbers are high, but in real value, uh, we have uh, wasted more money on foreign policy that has set the stage for a conflict that is going to be unbearable, and we'd like to see some diplomacy that would at least take a step back. Just take one step back and, and, and think about what's happening rather than joining in in the gang who's shouting and threatening. And that, that's the part every, everybody wants their two cents worth in. And it's, uh, it's, it's probably worth less than two cents. Yeah, go less and do less. You know, what's happened to the non-interventionists? They seem to have disappeared. A lot of them have. We shouldn't be intervening. Again, as we say every day, this means nothing to our national security or to our interests in any way, shape, or form. In fact, we helped provoke this, as we always say, with the, with the coup in 2014, and there's been war for eight years. But you talk about inflation. Well, that brings up our second story, and let's put that up, because President Biden made an announcement yesterday, $800 million more dollars in military assistance for Ukraine. And I think if I were writing the headline, I would say $800 million new dollars uh, in corporate welfare for American arms manufacturers, because that's exactly what it is. Um, they're sending uh, howitzers, 40,000 artillery rounds, 
radars, switchblade kamikaze drones, javelin missiles, uh, 10 counter-artillery uh, radars, etc., etc. All these goodies that are paid for by the American taxpayer going to Ukraine to be blown up probably as soon as they cross the border, uh, at least from what we've seen so far. And put up that next clip. This is from that article. And people need to wrap their heads around what's going on here. Biden announced the aid after a call with Zelensky. It's the latest in a series of U.S. security assistance packages valued at a combined $2.6 billion committed to Ukraine since Russia's invasion on February 14th. So from February 14th to now, the Biden administration has shipped $2.6 billion of our dollars to Ukraine or through the military industrial complex to Ukraine to help prolong the war. They're trying to sell it. This is Putin's price hike. But Americans need to know when they see the prices at the pump and in the stores that this is what's They're causing it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the uh, when I first read this, I mentioned to you, there has to be a mistake. Yeah. This is the money that we heard about last week. You know, part of that, uh, nearly $2 trillion they've already sent, uh, $2 billion yeah. already sent. Oh, no, you assured me. He, you read it carefully. That's new money. New, money. money. <laughs> new stirring up problems. New bonuses to the military and to complex. So uh, it is true, and you bring up the economic things. And But the only, if you can look for uh, uh, something beneficial from this, runaway inflation usually tones down the aggressiveness of all empires. You know, in a, in a way, the Soviet system collapsed because they couldn't afford it anymore. And uh, they have been weakened tremendously because of that uh, in a financial sense. Uh, so the, it's, it's, uh, it's that part that uh, people don't realize that all the time, if you say, if you can throw around, you know, $2.5 uh, billion trying to get another uh, war started, uh, that that is uh, very very negative and drives us that much quicker toward a, a bankruptcy. And the bankruptcy, people say, well, when's it going to come? The dollar's still pretty good, and you know the stock market is up. And uh, my emphasis is on the the uh, information you get that's important is how do you feel when you go shopping. Yeah. For anything or pay your electric bill or Depressed. stop at a gas station, <laughs> yeah. you know, with all these things. All of a sudden, they have a lot less money. The, the, this, I only have to get people to convert their thinking in one area because most people, and still you read it in the paper, especially if the Democrats have used spending as a solution for everything, most people still think in terms, you know, my, my grocery bill is so high, I need money. Send them more money. Yeah. It, it, what, what, the, what about the hysteria associated with, uh, uh, you, you know, the COVID? Yeah. How that was constructed. And uh, what was it? Trillions of dollars. Yeah. And they're still flowing. And that was on top of the QE that was started due to the recession and never, you know, the conflict in the financial markets of 2008. So yeah. you're on top of this, these uh, QEs. And, and, and even though they're talking about we're raising interest rates now, we're going to solve the problem of inflation. They really haven't cut back on QE yeah. of any significance. <laughs> you know, the American public has been propagandized that if we don't go to war with Russia to protect Ukraine's borders, civilization will end. 
Those, that's how high the stakes are. And I think that has silenced a lot of anti-war voices. Whereas, in fact, as usual with government propaganda, the opposite is true. If the U.S. does go to war with Russia over Ukraine's borders, civilization may well end. Uh, so uh, it's a very dangerous thing. Here's something that jumped out at me uh, from the article we're talking about, the $800 million. Put up that next one. Talk about the ironies of the U.S. empire. Among the other items in the package are 11 Soviet-era Mi-17 helicopters that the U.S. had planned to provide Afghanistan. Well, that didn't work out too well. So here's some, <clears throat> here's some Soviet copters we were going to give to our proxies in Afghanistan. Well, that fell pretty quick, so we're going to give them to our proxies in Ukraine. You know, it's really just a carbon copy of one from the other. Um, but let's, if we're ready to move on to, to the last big piece we're going to cover, and it's all related because it's all about stepping closer to direct conflict. And put up that next clip. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Biden administration to provide Ukraine with more intelligence and heavier weapons to fight Russia. Uh, Antiwar.com wrote about this article, I believe, and the, the fact, the point that they made is, these moves will enable Ukraine to target Moscow's forces in Donbass and Crimea. So basically, what this means is that the U.S. is providing intelligence and targeting data at Russian forces in Crimea, which Russia considers a part of Russia. There was a referendum there. They voted to be with Russia. So I, I would consider this a significant escalation. Here are places you can attack in some territory that Russia considers to be Russia proper. If that is not something that sucks the U.S. closer to war with Russia, I don't know what is. Yeah, and I think Crimea, I uh, intellectually see Crimea as different. I mean, yes, there's a mess over there and there's borders, best, uh, borders there. And if they had, uh, you know, the, the right of self-determination, I think the lines would be redrawn and there would be a lot, the, the Russians would be allowed to be Russians. Mm -hmm. And Crimea uh, has a history. And I think, uh, well, you know, that's uh, uh, strange that they would pick on this unless it fits your theory. They want this war. Somebody wants war and they're doing it because Crimea has... I think Russia has their strongest argument for, for uh, you know, really protecting Crimea. I keep thinking, I wonder if this could be sort of like, what would happen if we ever became weak, which is always possible, and some foreign country came in and made Mexico very strong, and they, rec they reclaimed by history Southwest United yeah, States. Sure. And you know, the, the, you can make up a historic argument for this. And yeah. then you could go and you want fairness, so you'd have to restore uh, all the land that was stolen from the Indians. I mean, mm -hmm. that was a tragedy. Why, why should we restore, uh, you, know, uh, you know, wealth to people who had been enslaved? Well, what about the people who lost their land yeah. from government? So there's a limit. There's a limit, uh, I think, a practical limit, a statute of limitation that. It's not going to work, and I think the statute of limitations has run out on Crimea. I don't, you know, you know, and the rest has been added on because people didn't, uh, you, you know, recognize Crimea as being a, a special case. That's my my yeah. opinion because you, you know, uh, even Khrushchev thought Crimea was part of. Well, that of course was the Soviet system then. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm, I'm going to finish up before I think we're done with this. You know, Putin may be as mad and bad and dangerous as his harshest critics say, but if that is the case, isn't that more reason to de-escalate? If he's really ready to go all the way, why would we want to meet him toe-to-toe -to -toe and do that over, over Ukraine? 
My, my a couple of closing things, and this is just something out of my own interest, but as you know, Dr. Paul, uh, Elon Musk, who's a very colorful fellow, uh, he woke up this morning and said, you know what, I think I'm going to buy all of Twitter. Here's a cash offer. Uh, we, I want the whole thing. And because he has said over and over that he wants to return it to a real free speech platform. We don't know if it's true or not. It sounds good, but that's what he wants to do. Uh, of course, Twitter is, is having a massive breakdown over it because they become more censorious every single day. They kick people out for no reason at all. I know that for a fact, by the way. But the funny thing is, is when uh, all the people who were saying, hey, if you don't like it, it's a private company, you got to lump it. Now with the prospect of, of uh, Elon Musk buying it or all of a sudden changing their tune, here's one uh, big neocon. You remember Max Boot? Max Boot with his Ukraine flag on his tweet. Here he goes. <laughs> I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. This is the mind of the neocons and sadly a big part of the left in general. For democracy to survive, we have to constrain the First Amendment because that's, that's, we can't let anyone speak who we don't agree with. And my final thing again is to put up that next clip and remind everyone we've just crossed the 50% mark in our ticket sales for our June 4th Houston conference, the Biden Doctrine, New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. <coughs> we crossed over the 50% tickets sold in just about three days, so we're very excited about that. Get your tickets uh, while you can. Well, <clears throat> I'm hopeful that Musk will pull it off and reverse things. I. I have to admit, I'm a bit skeptical because I think it's so ingrained <coughs> in the system. <coughs> and in a way, it could stir up a little more pro uh, problems because of the animosity against rich people. And uh, the exorbitant uh, wealth accumulated by fewer people, uh, yes, we know that people produce products and Elon Musk is pretty, <laughs> a pretty uh, good businessman and uh, uh, you know, a producer. But the whole thing is, is people resent this. So this, this is one of the downsides is people look at how many trillion dollars does he have? How many <laughs> billions of dollars? And they're dealing in such huge amounts, which I look at it economically because those kind of distortions don't occur by working hard and saving money and earning interest. You know, they occur because there's an inflation machine going on there and it puts them in this position. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, I think this is, if nothing else, you could say it's good to have uh, Twitter, uh, you know, be challenged a little bit because, because I think that the Twitters and the, uh, and the, and the uh, uh, social media, I think their, their day will come because I think they're on the wrong side of the issues that they pretend that they could take care of it because they were going to make universal free speech available for everybody and it was universal controlless speech by everybody and the people were catching on and you know the fact that the fact that there was a significant amount of people that uh, left uh, Facebook I think that's pretty amazing. You know, a couple of years ago, everybody, the market said it's going to grow forever. So, so that will work. But I think, uh, I think th this is great that he's speaking out 
and he should be encouraged to uh, really defend, you know, freedom of speech. And but uh, this this it's a big mess. Who knows what will happen in between? But uh, no, I think I think that type of a contest is much better because I'm afraid that the uh, the trillionaires uh, and the multi-billionaires uh, will add fuel to the fire of the discontent. Uh, that's existing in our country and getting much worse because, uh, you know, the policies that are designed by progressives, uh, look at the inner cities, crime and poverty and, you know, people living in tents and all that. But it's only because of rich people, you know, we know what we need is a wealth tax and uh, they, they wouldn't be able to, matter of fact, they'd like to put a wealth tax on him because they don't like what he's doing, you know. So they would probably decide that that would be a good idea. But anyway, I think that'll be in the news. It'll be interesting. I like to watch things like this. Yeah. I'm all done. So, okay, very good. And uh, I um, want to once again uh, thank all our viewers uh, uh, for turn, turning in. I do want to mention one thing in the news today that uh, uh, caught my attention. And uh, it's Yellen. Uh, I, I knew about her and knew her a, to a bit because she was, she was head of the Federal Reserve. Now she's head of Treasury. She's a powerful, powerful woman. So, uh, and I guess that's what people want. So she's powerful, but she's using it to uh, manipulate and move in the right direction. But I didn't know she would be uh, uh, super excited about foreign policy. But uh, she issued a warning, uh, you know, in the last couple of days uh, face con that China will face consequences if they, uh, if they don't, uh, if it doesn't help uh, stop Russia's war in Ukraine. She wants to uh, expect China to go to Russia and tell Russia to quit doing this. Well, um, you know, she, she didn't solve our monetary problems, and uh, I, don't think, I don't think her... Uh, problem of sort of going out of her way to invite, uh, you, you know, a little debate with China uh, because there's some people in Washington that say you always have to be prepared for a two-front war and just Russia, that's not enough. We have to take on China. And they actually believe this uh, until we go broke and then they're going to have to have a reassessment. But anyway, I want to thank you very much once again for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.